Welcome to The Holistic Entrepreneur with holistic nurse practitioner, success coach, and best-selling author, Bonnie Gressel. Bonnie and her expert guests share tips, tools, and strategies to achieve success on your holistic entrepreneur journey. Each show features answers to common entrepreneur challenges, along with a healthy dose of support and motivation. Now, please welcome the host of The Holistic Entrepreneur, Bonnie Gressel. Welcome, everyone. This is your host, Bonnie Gressel, here at The Holistic Entrepreneur. Now, today, I have two fabulous guests to share with you, best-selling authors, Dr. Sean Dill and Dr. Lacey Book. Um, And I'm going to introduce them in just a moment. But first, I always want to take a moment to thank all of you for spending your valuable time here with me on the show. I am so honored that you do that. You know, I know that time is our most precious asset, so I always want to make sure that these shows are value-packed so that you feel your time was well spent. And I can tell you, you will not be disappointed today. You know, I always say that being a holistic entrepreneur is really more about who you are than what you do. You come from that heart-centered place. You want to make a difference in the world. And perhaps that's you. And that's why you've decided to join us on the show today. So if this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've tuned in before, welcome back. I hope that you find this will be another great show with insights to help you on your entrepreneur journey. Now, at the beginning of the year, I started to do a very simple one card angel reading so that we had some sort of a a thought for the week. And the card that comes to us today is trust. And as I get the messages from this card, it reminds me to remind all of you, the listeners, that, you know, just trust. It's it's all going to work out. And I know I, I say I sometimes have to catch myself that I'm not really trusting that yes everything is going to be okay but it is and the guidance that you're getting the inner you know things that come to you your little intuition nudges trust those they're there for a reason so that's your message for this week to trust and don't forget to check out the show page before you leave today because there's always links to my guests and myself and there's a link to Bonnie Links, which is a whole nother site because I can put more gifts and free stuff on there for you. So check that out. So allow me to introduce our special guests for today. Dr. Sean Dill is a graduate of Logan College of Chiropractic, and he is the CEO of the Specific Chiropractic Centers. He offers consulting services to entrepreneurs and healthcare professionals through his website, SeanDill.com. Sean is the founder of the Black Diamond Club, a community committed to mentoring, motivation, and business development for service professionals. And he's a Book Yourself Solid certified coach, having trained under the best-selling author, Michael Port. A highly sought-after speaker, Sean makes numerous international appearances every year and has been featured on radio and television programs in countries around the world. Dr. Lacey Book is passionate about helping service professionals reach more people through marketing, sales, and mindset strategies. She accomplishes this with her husband through the Black Diamond Club. Lacey loves coaching professionals who are just starting out in their business. She is an international speaker and gives back by coordinating three mission trips to other countries each year. Join me now in welcoming Sean and Lacey to The Holistic Entrepreneur. Well, welcome, Sean and Lacey. So thank you so much for sharing with us here on The Holistic Entrepreneur. Well, thank you, Bonnie. We are very excited to be here and um, excited to share with your audience. You know, I read a little bit about people in their bio, obviously, but there's always more to this story. Would you share with us a little bit more about 
what brings you to the work that you do today and the journey? And I know there's a lot to that journey, so make it as long or short as you want to. But I think it's really important for our listeners to know a little bit more about the backstory for, for both of you. Yeah, absolutely. I'll start a little bit with my backstory and my history. Um, you know, first and foremost, I am a chiropractor. And long ago, when I was 16 years old, I didn't even know what chiropractic was. And I was working at a bank and one day had this amazing lady that always waited for my window, slide her card to me and say, I want you to work for me. And I thought, what? This is crazy and flipped her card over. And sure enough, she was a chiropractor. And I ended up starting my journey there and working for chiropractors for seven years before I actually decided to go to school. Oh, wow. um, and yeah, and it was, it was such a blessing to not know what something was and have it fall in your lap like that to lead you on a journey that you never anticipated, right? Hmm. So ended up beco becoming a chiropractor and falling in love with the work. Awesome. You know, I think that's so interesting. I, I love your story, Lacey, because that's how things happen, isn't it? Things just come to you. You know, don't even really know why it happened or how it happens, but it does. I know. And as long as you're open to seeing the opportunity and, you know, taking that step forward, so many amazing, wonderful things can happen. And truly, my life has um, ended up the way that it has because I said yes to that opportunity. I can't even imagine what life would look like if I hadn't. Wow. And how about you, Sean? Well, um, my journey into chiropractic or into... Just what brings you to the work you do here. today, whatever you'd like to share with us. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, been a, it's been a long journey for me. Um, I graduated chiropractic college in 1995, and I practiced in Costa Rica when I graduated. I was there for... Uh, about eight years, had the opportunity to author the law. I was in my 20s when I did that. Uh, that regulates chiropractic uh, to this day in the, in the country. Um, then fast forwarded here to the United States where we began by opening a series of offices and then scaling those offices to where we have a franchise. And now uh, through that process, have uh, started consulting with other healthcare providers, obviously first with chiropractors and now outside of that, where Lacey and I consult with service providers of all types. You know, our, our, at the end of the day, you know, to, in present time, our passion really is in helping service providers to bring their message to as many people as possible so that they can create the biggest impact possible and at the same time, create the lifestyle that they deserve. I think that core to you know, Lacey and I's teachings and, and our drive every day is the realization that probably in the healthcare space, but in any service um, profession, that the world's most talented and greatest providers live in relative obscurity, mostly because they fail to embrace the business side of what they do. So the ta most talented healers, most talented photographers, the most talented anything in a service world probably the world actually doesn't really know who they are. And if we think about it too, the people who we credit as being the best may or may not be the best, but one thing that is certain is that those people who we credit as being the best, they're really, really good at marketing and selling. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, that's so true. And you know, I think being a holistic nurse practitioner myself, I always tell people, I always used to say to people, I think I have the Florence Nightingale syndrome. You know how I do everything for free and then I just have to help people. And, and I think healthcare providers, especially people who are um, really in any service industry, I think they don't, it, they're not comfortable for people to pay them because they are their business. Absolutely. And, and we see that so often is that long-term intense struggle with the service heart and the business hand, Yeah. right? And trying to figure out how to balance those two and be okay with charging for your service and running your business like an entrepreneur and still being able to give and shift and change lives the way that you intended to when you went to school. And I think that for both Sean and I, that's why, you know, one of the reasons we work so well together um, is because we, we do know that the more successful that an individual can, can become, um, even, you know, the more ability that, that they have to market themselves and sell, the more lives they can truly impact. And so for us, it's not about like trying to get people to just be success, not only just so they can live the life that they deserve, but so that they can impact the lives that they've always wanted to. Mm, oh, that is so true. You know, Sean, I think I was watching uh, earlier today a little video clip of you doing a presentation at a something, an event, and you were talking about how it's your responsibility to sell, to help people, to help the most people possible. Otherwise, where would those people be? And I thought that was such a good point. Um, would you share a little bit more about that? Because it was just such a golden nugget. Yeah, and at the risk of you know, maybe polarizing some of the listeners that, that actually is uh, a foundational premise from Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street. Mm. And um, Lacey and I were just recently on his podcast where we shared some of our thoughts, particularly about helping service providers. And the, the actual quote that Jordan Belfort uses is that you have a moral obligation to sell. And, you know, I think it, that that is even amplified more if you provide a service that you honestly believe has the potential to change the world. And again, look, I'm, I'm talking about any, any service. If you are a photographer you know, and you are, you know, let's say you're a wedding photographer and you know, you know how, how important that is if, you, if you've ever been married, um, especially if you're the bride. I think the brides tend to really want to capture that moment, not just the wedding itself, but everything that leads up to it. And then to capture those memories and have them into eternity. Imagine that you didn't have those. Imagine that the, the photographer was, you know, at the end of the day was like, oh man, I have bad news. The, my batteries ran out. So I only got the first hour of the day. And how heartbroken they would be to not have that. And that, that literally, is, it, it's something that impacts and changes someone's life. But they would not know about your services unless you are passionate about first marketing. And we always say, this, this is something that comes from one of our mentors, Michael Port, that marketing does not get you new clients. Marketing, gets, get, marketing creates awareness. And it creates awareness about who you are and what you have to offer the world. But once that awareness is created, you have to be good at selling so that you can get matched up with the people that actually need your service. And so in reality, you do, you have a moral obligation to get the people who need your service, that service and not listen and not just with anybody, you actually have a moral obligation to make sure that they get that service from you. And one of the things too, that we always say is that you've got to get real comfortable with saying, at least to yourself, 
But I would love it if people were comfortable with communicating this to the, to the world, to the community, to the public, is that the best thing for you is me. Mm. You have to honestly believe that you are the best at what you are, are offering the world. And that for that particular prospect, for your community, that, that you literally are. If, I, if you're going to get married and, and I'm a wedding photographer, the best thing for you is me, working with me, regardless of however much I charge or any of the external factors, that I am the best thing for you. And once you're comfortable with that and you understand that you have an obligation to sell, then you'll do anything that you can to get matched up with the, with the right prospects. Mm. I want to I want to add a little something to that because I know what a lot of listeners especially if they're service providers are thinking but it doesn't feel good to sell. I can't tell you how many people we run into that struggle with this idea of selling because they truly feel like it's it's sleazy or it comes across too pushy or aggressive, or they're going to turn people away. But one of the most powerful lines I ever heard, and I, I honestly, I've heard it so many times, I don't remember where, who I originally heard it from, was that selling is not about closing a sale, but it's about opening a relationship. And mm-hmm. I thought, I like that. That, that, is, that made it feel so congruent for me and in alignment with my service heart because I know that I want to open as many relationships with as possible with people so that I can help them you know, get the life that they deserve, right? And so I, I love that. That was probably one of the most powerful lines I've heard. And I know that if you can look at sales that way, it becomes a lot easier to learn how to become better at it. Mm. Yeah, because I, I think, and, and this is how I look at it, it's selling isn't, I mean, selling like some other words like failure get a really bad rap. I mean, people think Ew, when they hear the words sell or, or sales or selling, but it's really about helping people. Yes, Yeah. absolutely. You know, why is it, let's talk a little bit about that. Like how, say, new service providers or people who have been in service, you know, in their practice for a long time, how they begin especially if they're not really comfortable with it, how they begin to develop that rapport with customers and why it's so critical to maintain that relationship. Yeah, I think, I mean, first off, we have to address a lot of the, the issue or the lack of understanding what to do just comes from the mere fact that we're, as service professionals, we're not taught that in school. Exactly. So, right? I mean, we're taught how to be great at the work that we do, but not great at getting it out into the world. So there is a hang up for especially new providers, but not only new providers, veteran practitioners that have been out in the field for a very long time because they were never taught how to do it. And so first it's understanding that you're not wrong for not knowing. You just were never taught it in the first place. Um, Second to that, I think, you know, a lot of sales books, sales podcasts out there, you know, a lot of them, when you first take them at glance, you know, what we hear, or you first listen to them, they may rub you the wrong way, but there's always lessons in every sales process that you hear. And I think that the best way to start is to kind of dive in and dig deep and figure out what the best way to create a sales procedure and a process is. And typically that starts with getting really good at creating trust and credibility, mm-hmm. right? And so starting there, learning how to create more trust and more credibility with the people that you come in front of, that's a great first stepping stone. And then after you learn how to do that really well, 
then kind of fine tuning and honing in on your sales skills. I also think really important there, you know, what Lacey said is having a sales process or a system. And, you know, we're, we're firm, firm believers that anybody can be great at selling if they have a system, right? And I think that a lot of people that have reservations or don't feel great about selling, it's because they're really not operating from a system. Like they're just kind of making it up and then thing, you know, you're, it's, it's, it, you have an idea of how you want it to go and then it doesn't go that way and then you feel bad, you know, which is another part of selling is that a lot of times people, especially in the service industry, they take objections personally. Mm -hmm. So they feel like if mm -hmm. someone is saying no, that they're saying no to them. Like they're saying like, you're not a good photographer. You're not a good doctor. You're not a good massage therapist. And that's really not what they're saying. They're saying no to the opportunity, not necessarily to the person. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, I mean, Sean and I, um, our biggest, biggest thing is creating infrastructure and systems before you grow. And he hit it on the head. I think that most people that we run into just have never even written down what their sales process looks like. And so it's not reproducible. So there's times where you get people to understand the value of this amazing thing that you provide and buy in immediately. And then the next person, you don't know why it necessarily failed. And it's just because there's literally nothing written down, no scripting, no system, no how to's. So that would be a great start too, is to just write down, what are you currently doing? What do you see that works? And then figuring out how to improve it. Mm. You know, I have a curiosity question because I find this with some of the clients that I have is that the whole, you know, marketing yourself, putting yourself out there, being, being comfortable, being big, right. Is kind of a, tied to a, often tied to a worthiness issue. And I always tell people, people are going to, others are going to value you as much as you value yourself. And it has to start there. Do you find that at all with the clients that you work with or are they sort of beyond that, that issue? Oh no. And I think that there are very few people that are beyond that issue. Yeah, I agree. Um, our, our work actually is very interesting. It, it, it's basically divided into three pillars and the pillars are marketing, sales, and money relationship, a workshop that we put on called Money Matters, where we actually take a deep look at uh, our, our collective relationships with money and how that impacts our relationships. And not, not only just with your prospects and your clients, but it also impacts your relationships with your significant others, uh, family, etc. And that's a very deep rooted issue, I think, for a lot of people and especially service providers. And the number one reason is because most service providers got into their profession because they wanted to help people. Mm -hmm. And it is very difficult to distinguish between helping people and running a profitable business. And so most service providers, if given a choice or an ultimatum, would feel comfortable with giving their service away for free. And another thing that we run into is oftentimes, depending on the service, a lot of times service providers new in business, they actually will voice to us that, look, I myself could not even afford my mm -hmm. own service. And so there's high levels of, of discomfort relative to pricing, relative to our relationship with money. And then, you know, you add in all of the ways that we learned about money early on. And so most service providers are coming from a big service heart and have very little business experience. 
And so their relationship, their worthiness, their self-worth, uh, the value that they place on their time, et cetera, is very, it's warped and it's not in tune with reality. And, and, and in reality, you know, the people that they look up to in the business world, entrepreneurs, have very high levels of self-worth, have high levels of self-confidence, have no problem charging what they're worth to the world. And it's, and it's really about, and so this is real interesting too, we, you know, we, we oftentimes say most business problems are personal problems in disguise. <laughs> And this is one of the major issues is that, you know, even our ability to hire people, our relationship with our employees, how we pay them, our relationship with our our prospects and our clients and how we receive money from them, whether or not you're willing to see somebody who cannot afford your services, whether or not you're comfortable with charging somebody who's gotten behind on payments, a lot of that is actually personal. It's not, it's not something that we could just teach you because I don't think that anybody really fundamentally would argue that, hey, I think we should just give it away and somehow figure out a way to operate our business. People know that you have to charge, but there's that, that discomfort, that unwillingness to, to execute comes from within. That is a personal issue that needs to be resolved in order to have a successful business. Mm. So true. You know, I read your book with none of your business, which is very, very good, by the way. But there's something that you recommended, which I have since purchased, and it's the Little Money Bible. Yes. And yeah. I love it. Yeah. Did you, did you get through the whole thing yet? Um, no, I'm listening to it. Actually, oh. there's also a video on it. So I've been like, as I'm on the treadmill or whatever, I've been listening to pieces because I think it's good to hear it. I'll probably do it several times because it's good to listen to that over and over again. Absolutely. And that, that was, that recommendation was birthed out of my struggle, struggling relationship with money from a very early age. Um, and I realized that in order for Sean and I to grow and to be able to, to execute on the things that we want to do in our life and the vision that we had, I had to figure out better ways to be in relationship with money yeah. and to get my mentality out of constant lack and into an abundant state. And when I read that book, it radically changed and shifted the way that I thought about money because I, everything that I read in there was so different than the way that I thought. Um, it really challenged me to expand my understanding of the way that money worked. And that's what actually helped us, I think, change the tra trajectory of our business. Um, we, in, in, what year was that? I, can't, I always say maybe eight years ago. Eight years ago, Sean and I were living in a 625 square foot apartment with two kids. Oh my. I mean, we had barely, you know, two pennies to rub together. And it wasn't because of our inability to do amazing things, amazing work, and help other people and provide great value, but it literally was my negativity and hang up on the flow of money and our ability to earn. And that's exactly what these service professionals struggle with. Mm -hmm. And that's where that recommendation came from. Yeah, it, it's great. I really enjoy just listening to it. And um, I, I think that's something I, I'm glad to hear you say, actually, that the people that you work with have those kind of hangups, too, because I struggle with that all the time with the clients that I have. And it's like, OK, maybe that's just for you know, people who are startups or whatever. But it's really everybody. It's foundational. Yeah. You know, if I can offer a little exercise that we do with our clients, yeah. um, one of the things is, you know, we highly encourage people to step into raising their fees at least once a year. I can't tell you how many people we work with that have, that have been in the field for 
you know, 10 years and never raise their fees. And then also newer people coming out, they really struggle with talking about their fees. So one of the things that I have them do is called what I could just call the value exercise. And I have them write down their past five or 10 clients that they've provided their service to and write a list of their names. And then next to their names, write down everything that has been improved financially, emotionally, physically, and spiritually in that person's life by just getting your service. Mm -hmm. And I tell them, you have to dig deep and then read that list every day in the morning when you wake up because it's going to show you what you truly provide and what your value is worth. And so whenever you're struggling or whenever you're having hangups with your price or your value, or you're feeling down because things are hard, I always tell people, just go back to the people that you've helped in the past and be reminded of the impact that you've had on their lives so that you know your true worth and value that you can offer to individuals. Mm. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that, Lacey. That's a great exercise. And I think, I think it's one that everyone probably should do. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. We still do it. <laughs> you know, one of the other things that really intrigued me um, in, in your practice and in the business that you have is the whole franchising piece. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that. Um, I, talk, I work with some clients who are, you know, it's difficult to find an associate to join them. They don't know what they're going to do. They're going to, they want to retire within 10 years. And I don't know if that's at all anything that would help them, but the whole franchising idea, whether it's a, a newer, a younger person, I guess, in practice or someone who's been in practice a while. And I understand they have to have a solid foundation and has to be scalable and all that. But would you talk with us a little bit more about, you know, how someone could decide, is this something that they should even look into? Well, let's step back um, one step back from franchising and let's okay. just let's just say the word scale. Mm -hmm. Okay. So scaling your business is of utmost importance for anyone who's listening who provides a service again that they feel is meaningful to the world. And the reason is this, if you are providing a service that is meaningful to your community and you are finding any degree of success in your business and there is any degree of continuity or repeat business to your, to, to your business, then again, just like we said, you have a moral obligation to sell, you also have, in our opinion, a moral obligation to scale. The reason is, is because you're building an awareness in your community about whatever it is you do. So let's just say, in this case, our, our, our field of work, chiropractic. So we're, we're telling people about chiropractic and we're building a business and a lot of people are beginning to come to us. Let's say that I've been in practice for 30 years. I've built a very successful business and everyone in my community knows about me. And I, I see a lot of people and I've helped a lot of people. The problem is this, with the service world, because it depends on you to provide the service, there's something tragic that's going to happen to all of us, and that is that you are going to die. And in most cases, when the provider passes on, the business passes on with them. Mm -hmm. yeah. And what happens is that there are people that are being served at the time of your passing, you have actually done them a giant disservice and that you've left them, in essence, high and dry 
because you failed to scale. And so I would say the first step is just saying, look, I actually have an obligation to my community. If one, my service is great, and two, I'm finding any degree of success, I better learn how to scale. And what scale means is duplicating your work so that you can see more people with more providers. So if I had a special technique or application or way that I did uh, my particular service, scaling would involve me communicating and teaching that particular way to others so that they could duplicate that, replicate it, and thereby serve more people with it. More people would be touched and impacted. If I believed greatly in the service that I was providing, of course, I would want to scale. Now, if I'm finding success in scaling my offering, and now basically what we have is supply and demand. And it's going to come from two sides. So if my community is demanding um, that they, you know, there's more of them that want to receive the service than I can provide. And then I've scaled and I have multiple providers working with me and we still can't answer the demand. And at the same time, there are more providers that are wanting to come on board. Then I would want to move towards a franchise model. Right? So if I, find success, if I find success in scaling, then the next logical step would be to move into franchising. And again, the reason why I would do this is so that I could take my service and reach more people throughout the world, thereby fulfilling the vision that I hope that every one of, our, of your listeners has in reaching as many people as possible mm-hmm. and creating the lifestyle that we deserve. Mm. Yeah. Oh, and that totally makes sense because... Someone who, you know, well, how would you approach someone who uh, struggles with being able to keep up with everything and they have no time for marketing or no time for anything except seeing patients one-on-one, say they're a dentist or something, or really any kind of a care provider. And they know that they should grow. They know they should scale. They know that they should maybe, you know, hire an associate or think about, you know, who's going to be there after them, a succession plan, but they're kind of stuck in just the day-to-day, this is all I can do mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, that's a great question. And I don't think that's unique to um, a small amount of individuals. People struggle mm-hmm. with that all the time. I'm sure that you run into that a lot. Um, we hear that so often. I don't have time to do X. Mm-hmm. I don't have time to do this. And so first and foremost, um, I would say that the most successful people that I've seen that can experience growth and scaling are good at surrounding themselves with the right people and Mm -hmm. the right team. And I can't tell you how many people I've run into that are so hesitant to hire or they hire when they actually need somebody instead of hiring before the need is there. I would say that that oftentimes when you get into that state where you're in a little bit of overwhelm, you only have the ability to do the day-to-day work, that's beyond the point where you actually needed somebody to come in and run other components of your business. And when you're in that state and you go to hire, you typically hire um, based out of deep and and imminent need versus being able to take your time. So number one, when you start feeling like you're getting to a point where you can't bring more things into your business, hire before you actually feel like you absolutely need somebody. Hmm. That would be number one, because then you have the ability to take the time to hire a superstar and surround yourself with the right people. Secondly, 
just as a, a pro tip, as I like to say, um, most often people are always trying to move into hiring another associate or another doctor, when in reality, oftentimes what they need is to first hire what we like to say is an executive assistant. Mm -hmm. Somebody that comes in and manages not just the stuff in your business, but other components of your life that are taking up too much of your time when you could be working in the business and on the business instead of spending time on doing mundane tasks that you could pay somebody else to do. So those are probably the two biggest things. It's hire before you need to, surround yourself with the right people, give yourself space to find a real superstar and figure out what your actual need is before you know hiring an associate or trying to scale that way. Mm. Great advice. You know, we could talk all day about this stuff because I am so interested in what you guys do, but I know that life is busy and people's brains are already probably full of stuff. If there was one thing that you really wanted our listeners to walk away with today, what do you think would be the most important message? Well, I really liked, you know, how you zeroed in on the moral obligation to sell. And let's, let's extrapolate that out. Let's just say you have a moral obligation to be successful. And if you have a big heart for serving the world with whatever it is that you do, you cannot do that if you're worried about how you're going to pay your bills or pay your rent. You cannot do that if your business closes. You know, there's no amount of, of poverty or lack that you can take on that will make someone else rich. Mm -hmm. Likewise, there's no amount of sadness that you could take on that will make someone else happy. And there's also no amount of sickness that you can take on that will make someone else healthy. I think the key is to create a lifestyle of abundance so that you have more to give. And you know, today we spent this time talking about service providers. You cannot give what you don't have. And so if any way, shape, or form you're lacking, whether that's in marketing, sales, finance, relationships, wherever that is, I would encourage the listeners to find a way to become abundant in that area so that they can give. Mm, oh, I love that. Thank you so yeah. much for sharing that. I, I love that so much. And honestly, if I could say anything, it would also to just add on to that is that you also deserve the life that you want to live because service providers say that all the time. I, mm -hmm. I'm here to serve other people. Um, but what about serving yourself? That's what it really comes down to as well. Universally, you're owed the life that you desire just as much as you feel like you owe it to give the opportunity to other people. Mm, oh, well said. Well said. You know, I, I know that people are going to want more of you, Sean and Lacey. They're going to want to know how they can get more information, the courses that you have, the, the products that you have, your book, all of that. Share with us what the best way is to reach out to you and, and get more of Sean, Dill, and Lacey book. <laughs> Absolutely. So we have... Um, two kind of main websites that you could go to to find out more about what we offer, our um, love and desire of helping service professionals become more successful, successful through marketing, sales, and mindset strategies. If you wanted to look there, you could go to blackdiamondclub.com. That is our group that we help service professionals through, blackdiamondclub.com. And then if you want to see all things Sean and Lacey, including the book, um, all the uh, live workshops that we offer, our podcasts, you can find that at Sean, S-H-A-W-N, and Lacey.com. 
L-A-C-E-Y, Sean and Lacey.com. Fantastic. And I will put both those links on the show page so that it, people will, and I'll hyperlink them so that they magically will go there when they click Perfect. on it. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much for taking your time to share with us. Like I said, I, and honestly, I could continue talking with you guys for a long time because I think what you do is fascinating. And I think it's so needed in this, this market of service-based professionals, because, you know, they're the last people to help themselves. They want to, like you said, they want to help everybody else and they, they need somebody to help them. So thank you so much for doing what you do. Well, thank You're the you. Best, thank thank you. you. Well, thank you for joining me here at the Holistic Entrepreneur Show today. If you would like to learn how you can be a sought-after guest on popular podcasts, how to produce your own show, or even how to use content marketing to grow your business, go to bonnielinks.com and check out the offers that I have for you there. Bonnielinks.com, B-O-N-N-I-E-L-I-N-K-S.com is also where you can sign up for my monthly newsletter, The Holistic Entrepreneur Update. It comes straight to your email with an update from me and all of the links to the last month's shows, just in case you missed anything. Now, this newsletter also gives you access to the show's guest gift page, where you can access all the great gifts from my guests over the years. And don't forget to subscribe to The Holistic Entrepreneur on your favorite podcast directory so that you'll automatically receive the newest episode when it's released. The Holistic Entrepreneur is brought to you by M&B Global Solutions.